to all our listeners today and welcome to yet another episode. I believe it's episode 13 and we're calling this Paint in Verbs. I don't know about you, it doesn't feel like a week since we were last talking to you, so I guess time flies when you're enjoying yourself. Uh, we've had a beautiful day here and Connie and David were busy doing um, a workshop, uh, teaching that last week and I understand that it went very well. They were working on how to uh, do a better design in composition uh, and we could all stand to, uh, to improve in whatever our creative uh, endeavours are. So, however, I can tell that I'm starting to babble here, so let's get on with, uh, with the talk uh, and uh, then I'll turn it over to, uh, to David and Connie because they'll be much more uh, esoteric about what they can say about this idea of painting in verbs. I came across this um, expression when I was researching Gertrude Fisk and, of course, we've been talking about Gertrude Fisk over the past few weeks about what a great show there is at the Portsmouth Historical Society uh, and what she did as a Boston-trained artist who then went to study with uh, Charles Woodbury in a gunquit. And the first thing he told his students was, paint with verbs and not with nouns. Uh, and of course, that sounds really good until you start thinking about what, what does that mean? Is that that the artist has to um, physically paint in, in verbs? Uh, or is it to do with getting rhythm and motion into the uh, composition. So, I mean, there's many ways that you can look at this, and I'm sure um, Connie and David will be able to set us straight on that. Um, another thing I came across, I love to look at these quotes from these artists because I think it's a good way of, of understanding uh, a painting better is, is what the teacher was, was explaining to their students. So, Charles Hawthorne, who's another artist I admire, I don't know why they're all called Charles, I find it very confusing, but Charles Woodbury was in Nogunquit and Charles Hawthorne was down in Provincetown. And Hawthorne said, swing a bigger brush, you don't know what you're missing. And so that struck me a bit like painting in verbs, but what does it mean to swing a bigger brush? Do you have to go out and buy something like a house painter of Jules? Or do you want one of those 20-foot brushes so you can stand well back? I mean, all these questions just go round and round in my head. And obviously, I'm looking for answers. So I'm going to turn it over to, uh, uh, to Connie to start us off today okay. with um, painting verbs. What, do, what does that mean to you? Well, I was thinking painting in verbs means think of the rhythm in your painting before thinking of the objects. Oh, okay. You know, and that the rhythm and proportion are somewhat equated. And there are lots of ways to look at rhythm. Rhythm is a visual tempo or beat, you know, and, um, uh, you know, similar to music. And um, I think that uh, most of us don't think about that so much when we're painting because, especially in plein air painting, because we're out in nature and we're trying to make sense of what our scene is and we're, we're also looking at the objects. We say, that's a house, that's a tree, this is a, the, a bed of flowers. But instead, if we paint in verbs, we're saying something like, um, do I, am I experiencing, um, you know, um, a windy day? Am I experiencing something that is um, calm and, you know, sedate? Uh, so, uh, so I think those are, are a few aspects 
yeah. of looking at this painting in verbs. Yeah. So you talked about how to get movement into your painting. So if you're painting mm. outdoors, it's a good job to have a, a washing line full of clothes blowing in the breeze. <laughs> well, I think it would be exciting because you wouldn't want it to be still. I mean, mm -hmm. if it's blowing, it's got a lot of rhythm. Again, I went back to this beat, this tempo, this movement. Um, I believe that um, we're into... Uh, one of the thoughts I had this morning is that perhaps... Painting in verbs is an elusive quality that you're trying to capture when you're looking at the scene. And um, you can only get that by painting um, in, a, in a more bold and aggressive way. And that maybe um, what Woodbury is talking about is how does the painter experience painting? You know, and, and that the painter might experience that in a bold way, an aggressive, in a, in a uh, confident way. Yeah, those were always expressions that the critics of the day used to call Woodbury's work. They always called him bold and aggressive. That's so, interesting. Uh, obviously, you're on the right track there. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, but let's uh, turn to the maestro for a moment. And, uh, Dave, when you're out there painting, are you thinking specifically about... Painting in verbs, is that something you try to teach your students? Yes, I brought it up to many students and I was amazed in the classes since I heard the expression. When I brought it up to them, they immediately understood. And I think what they understood, or immediately they grasped the idea uh, because they understood what a verb was. We're a very literal society. It's kind of a shame uh, it's a difficult task to be an artist in a very literal society. They sort of expect of you to make a tree the way the tree is, and, and who knows what the tree is? I mean, I don't know. But I think it is an expression of rhythm and movement in a painting. And I think it's the most important aspect of, of painting is movement and rhythm. Uh, music has a natural rhythm. I, I don't understand music. I couldn't read music. But if I listen to any kind of music... I think it makes me move either to dance. I'm not a good dancer either. But I think it makes it, it gives us a feeling of going somewhere from A to B to C, right down the alphabet. But I, I think um, theater has movement in it. Uh, I think all the other art forms, even architecture, might have more movement. I think it's harder to get movement in a still painting. Uh, we're involved in a um, composition workshop this week. Connie and I are teaching a workshop, and it's um, Sight and Insight workshop. And I think it's, I think we, we, it's a difficult subject to eat composition. And we realize that we're trying to teach them to see their own painting, let their own painting speak for the thing that is most wrong, so that they'll fix that. But it's the relationship of that thinking in relation to movement or composition. And uh, I think Connie brought it up, the proportions of things. Uh, if all the proportions are equal in the canvas, I don't think there's movement. I think movement occurs not only because you have a, a line that meanders through the painting, but it's the proportion of how much, uh, let's take just the color orange. So if I was to have a green landscape, but there were these little orange touches between earth and, and little limbs that have passed away and little sun effects on the limbs. 
um, it's the relationship of the, the proportion of that orange color that I place in amongst the sort of neutral colors that will make the movement throughout the whole painting. And I think that's echoed, I'm just choosing one, one idea, I think that's echoed amongst probably a hundred different ideas about how to think about design. And, and it's amazing how any painter can digest. We're on our fourth day today of teaching this workshop, and I think Connie would agree that most of the students are exhausted, as the teachers are. Um, they're exhausted, and if they were not back home and said to somebody, uh, I'm exhausted, why, what did you do? Weed the garden for four hours? No, I was painting. And of course, they would look at it like, well, that's just painting. How could you be tired from painting? Well, it's a mental tiring. We have to make decisions. Every brushstroke is a major decision to any painter. A real painter is making brushstroke by brushstroke decisions. And there's nothing, um, I think the more he becomes proficient at what he's doing, the more he can make a deliberate, uh, or this painting in verbs, expressive means that and it all adds up to that final product. Uh, and I think it's wonderful, and Woodbury's a, one of the great examples because I think his open sea paintings have so much movement and rhythm. My father being a great seascape painter, there's nothing more rhythmic to watch than the ocean. And there's nothing more, if you just sat by the ocean, let alone paint the ocean, uh, the sound alone, the rut of the sea or whatever you want to call it, is just, you know, just, just, just can take you in a way just in the sound and you go into a state of all total rhythm. And it's never the same. The tide's coming and going. It's not repetitive. It's then the wave gets, one wave is bigger than another wave. Why, you know? I, I, it's the rhythm of, of life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, I only have to look at those paintings of uh, Woodbury's and I get seasick because there's so much, <laughs> you know, obviously he's painting with a lot of emotion. I mean, he's he's trying to tell his, uh, his students about you've, you've got to be able to, um, you know, to paint with freedom. Uh, you've got to put yourself into all of these things because if, if you don't feel anything whilst you're painting it, how do you expect anybody else to, to do so? One of the things that I was going to say about, I think that there's visual rhythm all around us. That rhythm might be, uh, we might describe it as flowing, progressive, uh, alternating, random, you know, there are all kinds of ways in which rhythm displays itself and in which the, um, which you can hear right now, um, and in which <laughs> Is the rhythm the, of the water being poured the, out? <laughs> the painters uh, can see, but, but sometimes, um, I don't know, I've lost my train of thought. No, I think you're yeah. right. I'm <laughs> not think, surprised you know, I've been working all day. It's yeah. my fault, pouring water. Um, but I, I think you're right. It, it's not only... It, the rhythm is found in so many different ways in a painting. So many... I don't think... I think really good painters probably don't even think about it. It's intuitive. Mm. I don't think it's... So if I'm teaching the subject of rhythm or how do you express rhythm to students, I think you have to describe it in probably in 101 ways for them to understand maybe one part of that sinks in. I'm a big fan of all the great teachers, such as Woodbury up in uh, Gunquit, uh, Charles Hoth, I'm a big fan of Hoth. All the teachers had individual ways 
of expressing this, like we're talking about rhythm, movement, painting and verbs. Paxton talked about rotating, you know, rotating, meaning literally, Hibbert talked about rotating, yeah. he studied with Paxton, literally moving from this spot in the canvas to this spot, to this spot, to this spot, because if you don't get involved in it, and I think that's what it is, like playing the piece of music. Mm. Um, you watch these people, I don't know how to play uh, the piano, but I'm always amazed at how they're thumping away, and you can tell they're emotionally wrapped up in that. And I think a lot of painters just dotting and dabbing is not enough. Get involved. Right. And it doesn't mean that you can throw the paint on the canvas from 20 feet back. <laughs> it means you have to think about these things, and I, I think it's important. Or maybe you are throwing paint at the canvas, you know, yeah. Jackson Pollock style, <laughs> but, um, but it doesn't, yeah, but I think you're right, that you're getting into it, you're, you're putting your whole being into it, and there's an emotionality that, that gets um, uh, put into the painting itself, so it, whether or not you're looking at a barn, or you're looking at a tree, or an ocean, a raging ocean, you're always putting an aspect of yourself in that and the emotions of yourself into it. And um, that's painting in verbs. I, I think, what, what is the old uh, phrase, uh, the bird is on the wing? No, the, silly, the, the wings are on the bird. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think it's that sort of an idea. If the, if, the, uh, if the bird is on the wing, then he's moving, he's flying. If the wings are on the bird, maybe we're just doing maybe a bird that's been uh, uh, taxied or, you know. Um, taxi? Taxi oh. You know, oh. Oh, he's dead? I'm oh, so saying, so yeah, taxi. Dead nature? I always think of a taxi as you get in it and you go somewhere and maybe who knows where you're going. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 think, it's, I think it's interesting oh, that right, the that's... rhythm is the most important aspect to painting. And I think Woodbury did a great job in expressing it and finding this expression. And as I said, every student I've tested with what it would mean to them immediately knows it's about movement. But this is a difficult subject to, to try to do, to try to put movement in a painting. Um, it's very, I think I remember seeing, I always admired George Ennis's painting that's in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. It was a very simple painting. It was a road, and there was a cow walking up the road, and a big cloud shadow. And I always admired the, you know, I just saw it in, illustrated in a book, or an image in the book. And then when I actually saw the painting in Life Mate, it, it was moving. It, it really, I was shocked at how well he made that cloud shadow move. And I could even judge the speed in which that cloud shadow was moving. It was lickety-split, you know. And, and I didn't feel it in the image, but as soon as I saw the real painting, it was there. Yeah. And, and yet, he, didn't he paint these things in the studio? Yes. So, how, you know, how is he, he's seeing this out of doors, this effect in nature, and then he has to, he's not just trying to paint it out of doors, he's trying to recapture that idea once he's back inside. I, I think that's right. amazing. I also think that, that a lot of what we're talking about in terms of painting in verbs, I think it's wonderful that Woodbury would say this to his students because what he's saying is take yourself and, and become a part of, you know. Don't see yourself as, you know, it's like where are you located in, the, in this whole scene? Are you located behind the, the easel? Are you located in the scene? 
you know, if you're located in the scene, you're all, you're actively participating with the flowers, mm -hmm. the trees, the the wind that's blowing across the marsh. You know, mm -hmm. you're in engaged. Yeah, and I think that's also part of this verbiage. <laughs> let's say. I mean, I've always said to people that I think I'm a frustrated novelist, and uh, because I'm literal when I paint, I paint more literally than I wish I could. But just like the, the frustrated novelist, or just like the novelist, he's taking part in that book, and, and those characters are coming to life. And uh, Judy, you always tell me as a writer, sometimes the characters don't behave the way they should. You know, the sometimes bad guy turns into a good life. guy, the good guy turns into a bad guy, yeah. and you have no control. So, uh, and I think that's what's fun about painting. Sometimes it's, mm. it's better to let loose. It's better not to have the control. Well, I'm wielding the brush. I'll tell the, the, uh, the rhythm what to do. I don't think so. I think you have to be uh, committed to the, to the painting. You know. I like what you're saying, too, because it's an engaged relationship that you're having with and and actually this this sparks a memory of my for me when I was first starting out painting in plein air um, I got so excited about the the what I considered to be a conversation that was going on between the scene and myself the um, the stuff that was going on in front of me and that it was actually telling me in some manner how how it wanted to be represented, mm -hmm. and um, and I think you're kind of touching in on that kind of aspect. Like like yesterday, we witnessed the beautiful effect in nature. I thought it was interesting. It was the day before the solstice, but as we looked into the sky and the whole class saw it, there was this wonderful effect of uh, light, uh, prismatic light hitting the and creating a rainbow on this cloud. And to me, the cloud looked like a feather. So there was this feather floating in the sky with this prismatic effect on top of it, which sort of, you know, if Newton had said there is, this, there is the concept that light is color and color is light and the two are one, or, um, I, I think it really was wonderful. So I was still just a little disappointed that nobody tried to capture that moment. Because as, as an right, outdoor, right, as an outdoor right, painter, right. we'd like to... Uh, capture the moment of things, you know, yeah. and I think yeah. I think that's what a good outdoor painter is trying to do, and that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about can we capture some movement, yeah. um, like a bird flying through the sky. Like I said, you're not going to be able to draw the bird because you know the anatomy of the wings mm -hmm. and the thing. You got to make sure he's moving, and I think that is what we've been talking about all mm -hmm. week. Is it's that's design. And, and you're also getting into um, being courageous enough to um, put onto the canvas something that is elusive, that is quick and, and quickly disappears, you know, such as a rainbow that's up there for just a brief moment. I mean, that's, that again is part of this painting in verbs. It's, it's uh, being bold enough to say, I'm going to put that down. You know, and and um, and I'm going to have confidence enough that I'm going to be able to do the best I can to do that and to capture that piece. And, and it involves a lot of memory in, in this. That you know, sometimes sometimes it's if you didn't remember, and and I think, you know, I know I'm getting old, but I mean, I still think my Surely memory, <laughs> my visual memory is pretty good. You know, 
and and I think I remember things visually better than I could remember them, you know, remember anything else. So I, I think it's I think it's visual memories. It can last a long time, and I and obviously that's what John Zinnis was doing when he was painting. He had to go out so visualize. But the mere fact that he was trying to get wind as, as it flipped the leaves over and the clouds as they were racing across the sky and try to do things like that, it's, uh, he was amazing to do that. Um, and I think that's important. I, I don't know if I might have told this story once before, um, but um, I, the, in the, in my sidekicks here are laughing <laughs> at me because they probably know, yes, you have. <laughs> Uh, but it, it's it's to do with my two boys, and I was in the studio. It was a warm summer's day, like just like this, and uh, in comes my oldest son, and uh, I said, Noah, why don't you come in and chat with me about my work? What do you think of my paintings? He said, Dad, you're great. See you later. And out the door he went. He was a smart boy, right? He was the <laughs> real smart boy, you know? All, all A's, you know, and that's why. The younger one... Uh, <laughs> took the invitation and came in and said, well, Dad, your work lacks life. And I said, ooh, that's very important. I have to have life in my paintings. So his name was Sam. I said, Sam, how do I put life in my paintings? Well, frankly, Dad, you don't have any movement in your paintings. You have to have movement to get life. And, and that made such an impact that the, here's, a, here's an 11-year-old, I believe, or a 12-year-old boy not only telling his father and enlightening his father to what the truth is about painting, and brilliantly said, as he said, movement is everything. And, I mean, I decided at that point that he was my, he was my guru. He was my teacher. And there I was, ready to get myself into the lotus position on the floor. Instead, I said, so tell me, how, do, what would, you, how would I put movement in this particular painting? And as he looked... He said, well, if mom was walking through the garden with the wind blowing your skirt, and he did it beautifully, but I don't want my guru or my teacher talking about his mother, you know, even though it was my wife. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, I've never heard that story before. Really? It's, it, he was, I think, but he says it all. For a 10-year-old boy to say it's about movement and painting had all movement in it, I think was brilliant. I really do. I, and I think that that's, that's what we're talking it, about. I think you're right. Yeah. It sums it up. Yeah. Well, of course, my children are brilliant. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, no, but I, I think, you know, you're right. You're talking about getting movement into paintings and rhythm and, and harmony and all all this. And it sounds kind of simple. Oh, wait a minute. The, yeah, we're pouring water. No, he's not going to pour the water now. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're getting very frivolous here in the studio. It must be the heat. Um, so I just wanted to, I was, you know, I had some quotes that I thought, well, maybe if I get lost over what I need to say next, and we're still talking about Woodbury, and his opinion was the attempt to see in a large way is the point. Your studies are not of much importance, but you cannot overvalue the mental effort. So I'm thinking, is so he's expecting students to go outside and do studies of things, and even if they're not going to become great paintings is still the mental effort of having to see how you achieved that how you accomplished it and it's it's practice as well as it's hard to go out and do a perfect painting every day so you have to practice even if it's not going to be a large major work that you're you're going to produce right 
We, we did the same thing. That was part of, actually part of, and it's interesting because I didn't realize Woodbury was teaching in that method, but that was a sort of our method uh, during the week was to start people off with small little sketches. We actually created this thing we call a memory card mm-hmm. in that which they were to put a gesture down in the right proportion as to what their final piece would be. And then they could use the uh, value chart and the color to match the colors to, uh, to what they found in nature. And um, this is the first time we've introduced it in a class. And we, so much positive feedback. Yeah, a lot yeah. of feedback right. was good. Right. Um, no, there were a number of people who said that uh, one woman said that she had this, this uh, scene Early in the morning, she she had arrived at eight o'clock. the The class started at nine, and she she saw the scene, put it down on her memory card, and then used the memory card in the right way to remember <laughs> what she saw, and she she produced a beautiful piece mm-hmm. uh, that was really only a brief moment at. Uh, in the early morning on the marsh. Yeah. So this idea of using a memory card is for people to go out and because you are getting its impressionism, you're trying to get that fleeting right. effect, uh, and the memory card helps you, what just to get that a, a gesture down there. I think there. what oh, it the, does the, is the it notes of the color. Right. It's a shorthand method to uh, get the gesture of what you saw plus the notes. Um, you might put a note of the sky, a note of of um, a pathway. They may be a, a high note, a high uh, value. You put the low value. You put all these value notes in, and then you can go back and and recapture the piece. Yeah, rather than taking a photograph and just assuming right. that that digital image is going to tell you everything you need. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm I'm not against uh, uh, using photographs either. I think that photographs help you with the structure of something. Like it can tell you, oh yeah, there were about three or four um, trees over here, and and do I want to put all of them in, or do I just want to put a couple of them in? That's where design and the uh, the tools of design come in handy for the painter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think sometimes it can be very confusing. You get outside and you're looking at at nature, and it must be. Difficult. I, you know, you talk about this line of design, this sort of pictorial mm. gesture that you start a painting off with, um, and it, it simplifies presumably the the method of going around just getting those the original idea that you wanted. How do you put everything down in in one go? Um, how do you even start a painting? Oh, that's an interesting. Well, I think Connie's method is a very good one. I mean, I. Uh, Connie's the one who came up with the sort of the um, linear the line of mm-hmm. design she yeah. calls it and that connects everything up in the painting I think that's the important part is that there's a design in the sky there's a design in the middle ground there's a design in the foreground and they all sort of meander together and they should be unified because in the end we want to have a unity we want to have seen the big picture yeah we want to have the bigness in the painting we never want the painting to be about little details you know didn't i paint this blade of grass well yes you did but what about the other you know two feet of canvas you got here you know just because you got one blade of grass right 
Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an important aspect, and I think we're always trying to stress this bigness. And I thought we, I think it's successful. This this particular workshop really came out, and it and the students were the evidence that it was uh, it was successful. I think you're right. Um, I also think that what it does is it 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 constantly pushes the painter to to look at the whole context in which you're painting. I mean, it, it's so easy when you're you're painting something. Let's say. Uh, uh, it's a intense sky, or um, or it's the marsh, or or let's say boats that are coming through, and you might say, "Oh, I really want to capture those boats." But what it allows you, this line in design, helps you to say, "Yes, the boats are important, but there's other a there are other aspects to this scene that are are equally important." And you have to put those bo boats in proportion to the, all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And that's a quality design, mm -hmm. I think, in mm -hmm. painting. Simplicity is the keynote to good composition. Exactly. And that's I a, think, that's a good way to say uh, it. I, and I think, I don't know who said it, I'm just quoting somebody, but I, I think that's what we're trying to do. So uh, it's, it's an important part. As sometimes as we get involved in the painting, just like getting involved in writing a novel, uh, the characters get away from what you intended. And I think sometimes we have to stick with that intention. And that's, I think, why that works. Um, and on, then also, too, I think uh, the philosophy is once you follow up, and this is sort of the way I would go about uh, starting a design. I, I like Connie's method, but myself, I do the color spotting that she talks about. I usually do that first and then see if it makes a rhythm. Uh, because I'm finding the color spots in nature, the key areas, the dominant area, the subordinate areas in the composition, and and I think I have to think about those things uh, as I'm as I'm progressing the painting. Uh, balance is a key thing here, but in a sense, we're, it's the antithesis of balance, isn't it? It's not we want them to be equal. We want them to be unequal, don't we? We want to have a big thing here and a small thing here. But we want that big thing and the little thing in the composition to be in balance with each other. Yeah. And that's sort of, the, sort of what we're looking for. And it always seems to be this unusual aspect of the things, are, if there's too much balance in a painting, it really doesn't have movement. It doesn't make movement. I think Edgar Payne talks about in his book, it's almost like making the, the, the north and south poles move to make the motor go around and to get motion going. And I think he really, really did aspect Poetry that idea. Poetry emotion. Poetry emotion, yeah. wonderful, yeah. Well, that's but, Charles Woodbury as well. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. yeah. The other thing I was thinking of is that, um, you know, it's, it's like a ballet dancer. I mean, they have to pull together a whole lot of different things to create this movement, this dance. And we're doing the same thing. I mean, just like David's talking about, balance needs to be there, but balance can't be there solely. <laughs> you know, it's balance with variety, with... Uh, intensity, with texture, with all these different aspects of uh, or elements of design, and then the principles of design of unity and, and you know, all these, and, and rhythm, which we're getting back to again. So, um, quite a complex subject. It is, it's very complex. I'm sure we can come back and talk about it a, another day. But it sounds like you've had a, a great workshop. I'm glad you've had fabulous weather for it. 
Uh, and uh, I understand that you're doing one of these Sight and Insight workshops again uh, in October, October Skies, I believe it's October called. October Skies, that's Three, right. A three-day workshop, so stay tuned, folks. We'll be giving you more details about that uh, as, uh, as the weeks progress. And in the meantime, I'd like to just leave you with uh, one of my uh, upbeat quotes here. And this is from somebody whose name I can't pronounce. It looks like... Sri Savia Sai Baba, and I'm sorry if I've mispronounced it. And the quote is, less talk, more work. There is too much talking going on. Because of excessive talking, spiritual energy is being wasted. And my spiritual energy is, uh, is at a very low point at the moment. But anyway, we have these wonderful days. Summer His is name here. Is Sachi Sai. Sachi Sai Baba. Oh, thank you very much. So, obviously, um, Connie knows how to pronounce these fancy names. So, But I thought that was just a useful piece of information to share with you. So, and on that note, we'll say good night. Have a, a great day tomorrow. Keep on painting. And we look forward to talking with you next week. Mm -hmm.